Boston College football starts their spring practices and the Eagles land their first quarterback commitment of the class of 2023. We're going to be joined by Mitch Wolf and talk all about this and more on today's Locked On Boston College. You are Locked On Boston College, your daily podcast on the Boston College Eagles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Boston College. I am your host, AJ Black. Thank you all for listening. Today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline.net is the best place to play, make all of your sports wages. Head on over to BetOnline.net today. It's where the game starts. All right. On Saturday, Boston College football started up their spring practice, and I know a lot of people are excited. Well, not a lot of people because there's not really a lot to talk about when it comes to spring football, but some of us do. And I know one who is Mitch Wolf who's one of our writers from BC Bulletin, does a whole bunch of other things. Mitch, how's it going? I'm doing good. You know, I think, like you said, you know, not that many people care about spring football, but with, you know, the MLB lockout currently uh, seemingly extended uh, into the foreseeable future, you know, hope will spring eternal somewhere else. So Jeff Halfley, they talked to, uh, talked to the media on Saturday, and a lot of it was the boilerplate. I'm excited. They worked real hard <laughs> and it's like, yeah, great. I, I, I still am floored by journalists that find that stuff intriguing to write about. For me, it's same stuff every year. It's but, like when, when like a new coach gets hired anywhere and they say he won the press conference because he wore a tie <laughs> that is the school colors and said whatever the school phrase is once or twice, you know, it's, well, yeah, well, so there's not a lot to be made of it. When I listened to the press conference and I think it was Rich Thompson from the Herald said, everyone wants to know. I'm like, ask him about the coaches. How are the players feeling? I'm like, Oh my God, rich. <laughs> I want, I, I think everyone wants to know about all the coaches, but he didn't ask that. So um, what, what were your thoughts about Halfley's comments? Did you get a chance to check them out? And what are you thinking about spring football so far this year? I think for me for spring football is, you know, this is now we're looking at a team that is really Jeff Halfley's team. Um, you know, most of the guys they've kind of rotated out have been, were Adazio guys, you know, Pretty much everybody who's left or the, the vast majority of people who are left are halfway guys. And it's kind of up to them, especially like along the offensive line, like it's up to them to really step up and <clears throat> make names for themselves on this team. And, you know, this team has been kind of, it goes as far as the offensive line goes for a very long time. And now the unit is almost completely turned over. So that'll be very interesting to see how that unit affects the offense, which returns a lot of really good playmakers. And then on the defensive side, you know, the unit had, you know, some very good performances, some pretty bad ones, uh, and there were a good amount of important injuries. So it'll be interesting to see this year, you know, can they stay healthy? And, you know, again, with that unit, there's a lot, there's a little more of the younger guys playing. Um, so you go, well, hopefully want to see them take the next step forward and look to be cons- consistent contributors moving forward. One of the big things, though, that I thought Halfley brought up that that was that I think it's interesting to just kind of reflect on is this is the first spring football that he's had that's been normal. He said mm-hmm. that, you know, 2020, his first year, obviously, if you remember was cut short because the pandemic hit then last year was still up and down with all the, with the cases and everything like that. And he was doing all his press conferences via zoom. So this is his first spring football where he gets to do things normally. Um, I think that's important to, to, to reflect upon as well. Now, 
one of the things that came out of practice was there was some roster changes and some roster notes. And I know Mitch is going to have uh, an article up on a BC bulletin on Monday morning that kind of highlights some of the things that he noticed, but let's let Mitch talk a little bit about it. So Mitch, what did you notice in terms of the roster? Yeah. So, you know, with the spring roster, you usually expect to see a number of position changes, um, but there were only two this year. Um, and one was Jackson Ness moving from defensive line to offensive line and Ness barely played in the last few years for BC. Uh, I think he had 15 snaps total. Um, so, they're kind of transitioning to a new style of defense and he maybe didn't fit that as well. So they're like, all right, we're gonna try out in the offensive line. Um, and I'm thinking maybe they'll kind of use him as a hybrid lineman tight end and extra, uh, extra lineman sets down by the goal line. Maybe the other one was uh, Tony Muse who moved from, who's a walk on who moved from running back to wide receiver. So yeah, nothing really of note there, which was kind of disappointing. Cause it's always interesting to think about um, in terms of size changes. That's another big one. Um, most people, most people's weights kind of just fluctuated a little bit up and down. The one big one was uh, Christian Mahogany coming in at 335 when he was at 318 last year. Um, and I, you know, that, that number is surprising, but then honestly, if you think about it, if you think about how he looked relative to Zion Johnson, who was listed at only two pounds lighter than him, Mahogany looked significantly thicker than Johnson did, you know, and they're both big guys, obviously. But I think that, you know, if you had Mahogany's weight from last year, if you checked it again, it would probably be a little closer to 335 number, but I imagine they might, you know, get that weight down maybe in the, the, the 325 to 330 range by the time we get to, you know, the end of uh, summer practice and fall camp. Yeah, and there was a cu- couple names that we were talking about as well that were off the roster. Now, we talked all offseason, Mitch just mentioned it, like there was a bunch of players that kind of, I don't want to say were pushed off, but kind of, I think the staff said, you know, you're not going to have a role here. Why don't you enter the portal? We'll help you find a new spot. And and most of them have, you know, you saw guys like, you know, Joe Sparacio ending up at Eastern Michigan, Hugh Davis, Louisiana Tech. You had the two guys, um, Kobe White and uh, Deion Jones at James Madison and um, Jamin Muse at Buffalo. But there was a few names that kind of trickled under the, the radar. And I, I thought I was expecting them because it just they have not played any role with BC in a while. And, you know, if they've already graduated, might as well move on. And that was Nick Danucci, who was a linebacker and um, Javian Dane, son of Ron Dane, who the uh, announcers can no longer bring up every single game. <laughs> and uh, there was a third one. And I'm totally blanking on who it was. Yeah, I'm trying to find it now, but I'm not I'm not sure of it either. Um Oh, I feel like it was an offensive lineman, Eric Larson. Okay, Eric Larson. But uh, he well, he didn't play very much either, so it's not. Yes, so guys, guys more fringy, but mm-hmm. um, you, you, if BC is going to still go after the transfer portal, and I think there still are because there's going to be new names that pop up uh, as spring football goes on and guys realize that maybe they're not a fit in, you know, a new coaching system or on the roster like they thought they would be. You know, these these fringy guys that wouldn't play a role are kind of hogging up one of your spots. So they're gone. Yeah. Um, go ahead. The Danucci one kind of surprised me because he obviously hadn't played a ton, but he was somebody who had experience, you know, had the size um, and just really never uh, broke the lineup and I'm guessing maybe he just didn't have the athletic ability that the new staff wanted out of their linebackers, given the kind of guys they're playing there and who they're recruiting. So he might've just been like, all right, I think he was a redshirt junior. So he's been around a while. So he might've just graduated and been like, all right, you know, my football career is over here at least. Yeah. And yeah. We had somewhere else. So oh, Tyler days, little- Tyler days was the other one, but he's yeah. kind of in the portal now. So, but that's another yeah. one. Um, who are some players you're watching for during us uh, spring camp? 
I I just mentioned, but I think the linebacker room is going to be really interesting because, you know, Vinny De Palma and Cam Arnold are back as the kind of presumed starters. I think Bryce Steele will get a lot of playing time. And that unit kind of had a bit of a rough year last year, mostly because of it, uh, injuries uh, and, you know, Cam Arnold was kind of adjusting to the position, but now he's been there a whole year. Um, Bryce Steele has played a good bit for a whole year. So I think that room is very interesting to watch, especially with how, you know, we want BC to get better at stopping the run and stopping mobile quarterbacks. Obviously the defensive line, actually both lines are really interesting because, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about how the defensive line didn't really uh, get a lot of pressure on the quarterback um, during key moments uh, in games. And then the offensive line, like I mentioned earlier, you know, turning over a bunch of new positions, you know, you want to see how those new guys who basically who is going to be playing actually like not even because we're not sure who the starters are going to be just yet. Yeah, I think that that positional battle will be absolutely entertaining. Now, in a moment, Mitch and I are going to talk about recruiting as Boston College football landed their 2023 quarterback. Usually they get one a class. and We'll talk about who that is and what we think of BC's newest commitment. Before we do that, BetOnline is the place to head when football is over and basketball is in full steam for both pro and college groups. From all the latest odds, totals, player prop, performance props to where the next fire coach is going to land, BetOnline.net betonline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs betonline remains the best spot for all your sports scores podcasts and news this season and it's not just basketball betonline.net is your source for hockey boxing and ufc odds right to the olympic coverage and information head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action betonline where the game starts this is locked on boston college aj black here um, th- before we get into our next segment, I just talk a little bit shop here. Um, so our site, uh, our, our podcast has been on YouTube for about three months now, and we're almost at 200 subscribers. Thank you all who have already subscribed to YouTube. And f- for all of you who have started to listen on YouTube, thank you as well, because it's made a huge difference. Um, and we're going to continue to put new content up there. I'm going to start to do some uh, special alerts when things happen up on YouTube as well. So you'll get that. It won't be pushed to the podcast feed. So you'll have to be subscribed to YouTube for that. Now, in addition to that, uh, some site news uh, or some podcast news for you as well. Um, I'm going to be doing some themed stuff going on during the off season as, as basketball is kind of trickling down, we're heading into spring football Um and it, it gets a little bit quieter in terms of games. I'm sure many of you don't really care about talking BC baseball all that much. Um, we'll talk about that in the third segment. And uh, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to have recruiting Wednesdays with me. So Wednesdays, I, I know you guys, many of you have subscribed to BC Bulletin Premium to get a lot of my BC news. I talked to a lot of recruits and we're going to talk about one I just talked to and uh, he's committed to BC. I'm going to give you a lot of lowdowns on the podcast. It's not going to be a whole episode on recruiting because there's always news and things I'm going to need to get to too. But I'm, I'm thinking one or two uh, segments on Wednesdays that are dedicated to uh, buzz about recruiting players. You want to know about anything like that. So Wednesdays, mark that on your calendar. I will be talking about that. Mitch uh, is you, it, he's going to be sticking with his Mondays with us, right, Mitch? Yes, sir. So we'll have Mondays with Mitch and that's going to be the title of those, those episodes. We'll have Mondays with Mitch uh, who will be talking football. I know Mitch is really into the draft. So we've got a ton of stuff with Mitch coming up uh, talking about all the BC guys. And I like just talking draft stuff in general. So we'll talk a little bit about some of the other guys out there as well. We got got quite a combine this week. This is a big week. Yeah. Oh yeah. Big. And um, we'll get into all that. And then on Fridays, I'm going to do mailbags. So, 
three shows a week already are all planned out. So you're going to have some themes that are going on during the off season. So check it out. Wednesday's recruiting Mondays with Mitch Friday's um, mailbag. You're going to get everything all of that on your, where you get your podcasts or on YouTube. So check that out. So I was just mentioning recruiting Boston college uh, football landed their fourth commitment of the class of 2023. And it was a big one because it's a, their quarterback. And usually college football teams only take one quarterback a class and given the amount of quarterbacks in the room right now for BC, I doubt they'll take a second one. Uh, and that name was Jacoby Robinson. And he is a junior not rated recruit out of Henderson, Texas. Uh, he was recruited by John McNulty. So this is BC's offensive coordinators first uh, commitment. And usually the offensive coordinator, especially if they're the quarterbacks coach only focus on the quarterback when they're with their recruiting. So you won't hear McNulty as a primary recruiter from basically anyone else. I'm sure he'll connect with like the wide receivers and offensive linemen and things like that. But Ro Robinson was like his big guy. Now, if you want to hear Rob hear about Robinson, check out my interview specifically with him on BC Bulletin. I talked to him and Mitch um, Mitch is into scouting and talking about how players are developing. And he got to see a little bit about Robinson's, um, film so mitch what were some of the things that you noticed about his play i think robinson is uh gonna be a unique quarterback that you know i think he's he kind of reminds me of what we wanted anthony brown to be um in terms of like the, there's just the way his mechanics and body work uh the way he throws the ball he kind of has a bit of a sidearm motion right now um i when i, when I was watching i was kind of just trying to see what his mechanics were like and i think his feet are good for the most part it's just about marrying uh, how his feet and basically building up your throw power from your feet up through your legs, through your hips, and then up through your shoulders, through the arm, because, you know, there's like, like for a guy in this draft class, like Malik Willis, who has, you know, an incredible arm by itself, but the mechanics with his whole body aren't there. So you lose a lot of uh, throw power in terms of the distance and velocity. And so, and, you know, Robinson's high school or so that's, you know, it's not gonna be perfect right now, but like you said, like he's, he has no stars. So I'm, I'm sure people are going to kind of freak out about that. Um, his only offers are from SCS programs, but it does include Jackson state. Who's, you know, making some runs at, you know, kind of being one of the upper echelons uh, programs in the FCS. And I imagine that after this commitment, he might become like a two or three star because that's kind of how it works. With like a lot of these services, once they get offers and commitments, they kind of get bumped up, but you know, Robinson can run very well. I really like his running style. Um, and he does, he's pretty accurate. He's got a very good arm. I, you know, I was watching his highlights and there was like a ball that went about 55 yards down the field, which is fantastic for high school quarterbacks. So, uh, I'm excited for this. Like, I think, you know, it'll be kind of a competition in a few years, essentially between maybe him and Peter Delaportis. but I mean, that's a good uh, pair of dudes to have. Yeah. And I think what was interesting to me was earlier this weekend or late last week, there was a, a local recruit. His name was William Watson. A lot of local high school, Massachusetts writers were really high on him because he was, he was Joseph Griffin, the second or thirds uh, quarterback. He had a lot of big offers and I had been told he had not been anyone BC. Like I, I had retweeted and was immediately pinged by BC to be like, yeah, we're not in on him. And I was like, okay. And, I look at the specs of the two quarterbacks and it, it made a lot of sense to me. Watson is 6'0, 185. This kid, Robinson, is 6'3, 220. And it kind of fits into the mold BC's going for. They're going for these bigger, like, you know, just like we see with Phil Dracovic, right? Bigger quarterbacks. I mean, Emmett Moorhead's enormous. Mm -hmm. And 
I think they like those types of bigger quarterbacks. What do you get from a bigger quarterback that you wouldn't get from a smaller one? Um, so I'll, I'll say kind of the drawbacks of the smaller one to put it in that perspective. So, and this is something that you saw about concerns with guys like Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray in the NFL is that, you know, you're not just because you're short doesn't mean you can't play quarterback, but what it means is that when you're trying, it makes it very difficult to throw over the middle in the intermediate area of the field, which is obviously where a lot of passing concepts develop. So you, because they have trouble seeing over the offensive linemen, it makes them difficult, makes it difficult for them to, you know, see your over your crossing routes uh, kind of between the numbers or between the hashes. And that's kind of the reason why people are not as big a fan of short, uh, short quarterbacks with taller quarterbacks obviously that you kind of open up the whole playbook generally if you're taller you have longer limbs that makes it a little easier there is kind of a point where you can become too tall uh where you're kind of gangly and uh there's actually some people who said like you're too tall so the defenders can read the quarterback's eyes so much better because his eyes are so high up and they're easy to find that was the problem with brock osweiler apparently um and then with shorter with shorter quarterbacks and what I've kind of read on Watson is that he's just he's a more of just a scrambling quarterback like and I'm looking at his offer sheet and you know there's some F, there's some SEC some Big 10 uh schools kind of he has a whole smattering and he's committed to Nebraska and with Nebraska you know Scott Frost's like kind of super spread hyper speed offense you're you want running quarterbacks that you want running quarterbacks that are generally smaller who are better athletes in the open field okay so yeah I, and I think as you said, Robinson, he's a developmental guy. And, you know, if BC fans are hoping for guys that are four stars, yeah, I know people were joking about Arch Manning. I was like, yeah, okay, good joke. But, you know, (laughs) he's getting his bag somewhere. And I mean, there was a, there was a point where, you know, BC fans were saying that Joe Brady was going to be Arch Manning's offensive coordinator. So, you know, hope again, let, let, let's let people dream, even though if it's completely unrealistic. Right. So I, you know, Robinson fits right into that developmental phase, right? Like a guy that has the tools. And if you have the quarterback coach that can put them together, he could be something right. Oh yeah. No question. Like, I mean, I, I, I have full confidence that, you know, I think, I think that once this off this commitment is in, like, you know, I wouldn't shock me to see him get some offers from some more FBS programs. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if uh, he does flip, but you know, hopefully he doesn't because I think he is a good piece to have. You know, they kind of have it seems kind of a, a post Phil Dracovic plan, or at least you know an idea of what they want to do at the quarterback position. But it's you know it's always nice to kind of keep thinking for the future. And like you said, bring in one quarterback per class just to kind of be safe in case you do get hit by injuries or there's a, you know, a lot of transfers or something, just always good to have, you know, an extra body of a guy who is, you know, a FBS caliber quarterback. And and Boston college would never know what it feels like to not have any quarterbacks in the quarterback room. Not like they just <laughs> literally just went through that, but um, yeah. so <laughs> Mitch, where can people find you on social media? You can find me at Mitchell T Wolf to be OLFE. I'm usually tweeting out my scouting reports. Um, you can also find my, my draft podcast, which is fired up NFL draft for me and a friend of mine, Daniel Garrett, kind of our, we just talk about draft prospects and we try not to do the whole, the basic, like, Oh, we're going to do like a mock draft every week. Cause that people, a lot of people already do that. So we really try to keep it locked in on talking about draft prospects. So that's a great resource. If you're interested in the draft and want to learn more about the prospects. Um, and if you want to see my, some of my scouting reports on non BC players, uh, you can find that at aroundtheblock.com. And, you know, in the coming weeks, once we get after the combine, I'll start, you know, posting my uh, draft scouting reports of the BC players on BC bulletin. All right. Thank you so much, Mitch. In a moment, I'm going to be talking about the basketball game from this weekend. Women's basketball takes care of business and men's hockey has a, Pretty solid weekend. We'll get into all of that and baseball's failure 
all in a moment. This is the time of the year where I've given up on almost all of my New Year's resolutions, but not this year. I'm sticking to my New Year resolution to eat right thanks to Built Bar. It almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I actually do enjoy eating them. And have you tried their puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of the best Built Bars, best tasting bars. Puffs are the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. Can you believe that? A protein-infused marshmallow. They are delicious. They're 100% covered in chocolate. And they got some awesome flavors you got to check out, including the cinnamon churro, the coconut marshmallow, and the banana cream pie. They're so good, and they're going to be your new favorite. So they're low-calorie, high-protein, and you can replace your candy bars with these because they are better for you. They only have 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. How are you going to beat that? You just can't. So head on over to Built.com, use promo code LOCK15, and you'll get 15% off your order. Again, go to Built.com and use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off your order. This is Locked On Boston College, AJ Black. What's going to go over some of the big events from the weekend? Now, BC Basketball had their game on Saturday. It was Senior Day at Alumni Stadium for three seniors, Makai Ashton Langford, Brevin Galloway, and J- uh, not Jaden Zachary, uh, James Carnick, excuse me. And BC Basketball had their rematch against Clemson. And this game, unfortunately, did not end the way that the last Clemson game ended, where BC won on a three-pointer by Galloway. BC lost 70-60 to in this one. This is a tough loss for BC. Clemson was out there without their leading scorer, P.J. Hall, uh, and still uh, proceeded to win this game. BC just could not shoot. It was, you know, Taylor was all this time. They shot 36% from the field, but their three-point shooting was awful. They shot 20.7%. It was one of those games, again, they shot 29 three-pointers. Now, given that Boston College basketball has one of the most inconsistent three-point shooting teams in the country, they should not be taking those shots. And a lot of those shots that they were taking were contested. They were given up more open shots to take these bad shots. It was just a strange game in terms of their offensive flow. They just never got into the swing of things. They were into they were tied with Clemson a good chunk of the way into the second half, and then Clemson ripped off a huge run led by Chase Hunter, who led the team with 23 points, and that was it. BC is now 11 and 17. This was tough because BC could have had their third straight ACC win. As I tweeted earlier, it was the would have been the first time they've done that since 2015, which tells you about the state of the program. Um, but they couldn't do it. And that's it. And now their next game is going to be a tough one. It's against Miami uh, at um, Conti Forum. That's a 9 p.m. start. Ugh, late game again. But we'll, we'll be here to cover it. So that was one of the games of the weekend. All, but let's go to the positives. Let's, 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 let's get away from the negativity from the weekend. Uh, you know, a tough loss for BC basketball. But what team needed a win and did so very... Um, Convincingly, that was BC women's basketball thrashed Syracuse 91-75. Cam Schwartz scored her thousandth point of the game when she had a three-pointer in that game. BC was all over Syracuse. They were up 58-24 at halftime. They let Syracuse kind of sneak back into this one. They were only Syracuse was only down by 10 points at one point. So you, you're, it was a little bit disheartening to see BC kind of take their foot off the gas, but a huge win for the Eagles who needed, you know, to you know, this is a team that's like right on the edge of of making the 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 tournament, which would be their first tournament since 2006. That's 16 years ago. They're 19 and 10 right now. Now, they need to win. They need to win in the ACC tournament bad. 
And unfortunately for the women, they get Florida State, who already beat BC 66-58 the last time they played a couple weeks ago. So this is a rematch, and BC's been playing excellent since then. They have three straight wins against Wake Forest, Duke, and Syracuse. Can they beat Florida State and seal their trip to the tournament? We'll find out on Thursday in the ACC tournament. Now, in terms of positivity again, men's hockey had a decent weekend because I don't think anyone had any expectations going into this weekend when they had a, when they faced off with number thirteen uh, BU in the Battle of the Commonwealth, uh, the Battle of Com- Battle of Com Ave. And on Saturday, it was as ugly as you'd expect. They lost six three. They were down five one at one point. Um, just an ugly loss, but. Credit to Boston College, who came back at home and beat BU 3-1 to to earn their 12th win of the season. They're now 12-17-5. They're going to finish below 500 for the season. Tough, tough season. Eric Dopp had a great game. He had 42 saves. The winner was a, a goal by Drew Hellison with just under five minutes left in the third period. Patrick Giles hit the um, go-ahead shorthanded goal to give BC the win. Now they get two games against UMass. It's going to be a tough way to end the season, but hey, at least they got a win here. They're starting to build something a little bit here. They got a couple wins. Um, they got, you know, they beat Northeastern last weekend. They beat BU this weekend. That's all you can ask for, given how bad they were playing for about a month there. You know, going in each week and getting a win with what you have is, is probably the best you're going to ask for. And speaking of wins and not happening, let's talk about baseball. Whew. What a what rough weekend for BC baseball, who is now two and four. They had a win. They beat Presbyterian seven six, so that was nice. Uh, again, the bullpen I believe blew a lead in this one. Uh, they uh, yep, the bullpen blew a lead in the fourth inning. Uh, they went up six runs, but then BC's bats uh, came alive. And then credit to BC's bullpen, who pitched a scoreless fifth through ninth inning, only allowing four hits the entire game. Good game for BC there. However, let's get to the negatives. They then scored three runs total against USC Upstate and you uh, and George Mason. And against George Mason, BC's bats went completely silent as their starter uh, struck out ten and pitched a complete game four hitter against BC. Uh, that I mean, the BC's pitching wasn't all that bad. I mean, they let up uh, Brendan Coffey had a, a rough inning where he let up three runs and that was it, but. Other than that, I thought, you know, you just ran into a really good pitcher, and that was, you know, a loss right there. You're going to have games when you're not going to hit, and that happened there. Then against USC Upstate, I've never even heard of the school before today. Uh, No offense to anyone who's like, oh, they're a great team. I I don't know anything about them. Um, BC, again, their bats just couldn't get the ball. They couldn't plate anyone. They left, you know, a ton of guys on, on base. Uh, they had 11 hits, only were able to plate two runs. They lose 6-2. And then their second game against USC was canceled because of rain. So there was a game on Sunday that was supposed to happen. But that didn't happen. So uh, BC Baseball is now 2-4. and four. Uh, Tough, tough. T- they're a tough team to watch right now, uh, the way that they're playing. They're going to play Northern Florida in a three-game series uh, this weekend, starting on Friday. So hopefully maybe they can figure some stuff out and turn it around there. Now, this is AJ Black. Thank you all for listening, and I hope you enjoyed today's episode. On tomorrow's show, we're going to continue talking about spring football, get you a little bit more information there, and anything else that pops up in the news, because I'm sure there'll be some new stuff, especially with the Combine coming. We'll have all sorts of Combine information that you're going to want to know about. 
Make sure to follow us on YouTube. Follow us on Twitter as well at AJBlack underscore BC or LockdownBC. Thank you, and please tell a friend about our podcast. It really does help. Take care, everyone. We'll see you again soon.